I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, a dual Australian US citizen and the National Marketing Lead for Energy Resources and Industrials with Deloitte in Australia. I'm fortunate enough to be spending two exciting months uh, based in the US while I put my kids into school and finalise their US citizenship. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to spend time with a number of global experts, thinkers and leaders. I'm currently immersing myself in a different culture within a much larger team and I'm excited about the insights and learnings. Throughout this time, I'm speaking to a number of different leaders and sharing thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with John England, a senior oil and gas partner and lead global client service partner who I first met in Melbourne four years ago. John, great to speak to you today. Um, great to speak to you as well. It's, uh, it's good to be talking with you. Great to have you over here in the States. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just excited to, to be here. You want me to tell you a little about my background? Great, sure. Great. Yeah. So, um, so I've um, I'm, I'm a I'm a lifer with uh, Deloitte. I've spent 29 years now with Deloitte, right out of school, um, and really spent all of that based here in Houston, and all of that working in the energy industry uh, with with energy clients. So, um, started in our audit practice, then helped start and led our energy trading risk management practice for a number of years. So I still kind of hold myself out as a bit of an expert in that area, um, and then uh, moved into oil and gas leadership and um, ran our, our U.S. and America's oil and gas practice for the last five years and have just stepped out of that to become a, a lead client, ser client service partner on one of our large clients. Excellent. Thanks, John. And Houston is obviously the place to be around oil and gas. <laughs> John, how would you say that your life and career are improving or have improved as a result of being better connected with people across the globe? Yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the things I really love about my job that, that I've really got a chance to explore so many different parts um, of the globe. Um, and I didn't get to do that a lot growing up. I kind of grew up in Texas and didn't move a lot. So uh, it was, it's been really great. And I think what you, you get from that is you just get, as you experience different cultures and talk to different people, you just realize um, that there's these different perspectives that you can gain from that that you would you would never get and and you know I want to say particularly Americans I think tend to be a little insular and mm -hmm. and too often um, you know kind of have that American point of view um, and listen I love my country um, but but I also recognize that there's different points of views that you gain from from traveling and, and seeing different parts of the world so you know the more I do that I think um, the greater it kind of changes my worldview and makes me think a little bit more globally and I, I think that's helpful. Great, thanks, John. I'd like to change tact entirely. What career, what advice would you give to your ten-year-old self? Yeah, that's a that's a funny one. Um, <laughs> I mean, my ten-year-old self. I, the biggest thing I would say is just have fun, because to be honest, you know, um, I, you know, I, I have fun every day in my job. I love what I do, and I, and I love. I've loved, you know, raising a family and all those things. But, you know, life gets really complicated, right? Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, as a 10-year-old, you, you need to enjoy life. I, I almost worry a little bit that too many kids, you know, they're, they're thrown into things so young these days. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's told uh, you got to focus on this and you're they're studying Latin at three years old. And, yes. you know, that's uh, – I just think we need to let kids have some fun. And so I tell my 10-year-old self, have fun while you can, and then, you know, you'll work hard the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you speak Latin? <laughs> not at all. Not even, not even a bit. <laughs> I like your example, though. <laughs> John, what's been the biggest turning point in your career? Well, that, that was that's a really interesting question because it actually it it, it uh, involves Australia. So when I was, um, I guess, in my fifth year at the firm, I had the opportunity to do a an overseas assignment to Australia, and so. 
Um, I was newly married. My wife and I were ready to go. Um, and I, that would have been the direction I went. I probably would have, um, and I was in our audit practice, I probably would have stayed in audit the rest of my career, probably um, if I had done that. Uh, for, the, for all I know, I might have fell in love with Australia and never came back. But instead what happened is I, um, uh, when I, I was asked to stay because we had a, we had a unique opportunity and stay in stay in Houston um and not make that that journey um and and what it did is it they asked me to take over a large client that was actually just starting into the energy trading business so um it's really where I changed my shift and and became an energy trading kind of guy and this is the early Mm -hmm. stages and you know 1993 so trading's just becoming big and so kind of by chance I, I get this huge opportunity and I've fell into something I just absolutely loved and I felt, you know, I was passionate. I learned everything I could about it. I became, you know, I understood how traders thought, how risk people thought. And um, so it was a huge kind of break in my career and that it kind of set me apart. And, and from there on my path, you know, upward moved actually quite, quite quickly as I found the thing I was really loved and was quite good at. So. I like that. What would you, what is the one thing that you would change about the business environment of today? Well, I, I think um, I think with all the technology we have, which is great and makes us quite efficient, I, I also think we multitask too much and we try to do too many things. Um, and I, I feel like we need to slow down a little and spend a little bit more time building relationships with people because ultimately I think relationships make um, so many things work in the yeah. world. And uh, I think re- relationships overcome a lot of other issues you have in terms of organizational structures and anything else, right? And so, so uh, you know, I really, as I've grown older and, and w- potentially wiser, I guess, in my career, I've, I've really understood the importance of relationships. And I've actually been sort of enjoyed, maybe I've been become to understand the importance of slowing down a little bit and just taking the time, talking to people, listening more, and not always just trying to move so fast because it's not always about speed. It's about, um, you know, I think listening and, and really focusing your efforts in the right in the right areas. Yeah. Okay. And I'm interested just to follow that up a little bit, John. Do you think, uh, do you think technology is potentially causing that issue in terms of us speeding up and, and becoming less focused and multitasking? I do. I, do. I mean, I, I think about it, you know, we um, we communicate online all the time. We communicate via text and everything else. And, and, and I listen, I think it's really efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, I use it a, a lot. I use it with my family even sure. a lot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it worries me because there's almost this feel like if you're not always doing something, that's wrong, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you, you actually, I mean, I kind of feel guilty sometimes if I haven't checked my phone in two minutes, right? Yeah. And that, um, I'm not sure that's healthy um, personally no. for your well-being, no. but I'm not actually sure it even makes you better at business because I actually think slowing down and being thoughtful and having, and again, you know, really listening to people and building the relationships you can mm-hmm. build, but is instead of just hustling past them in the office, but actually s- slowing down and stopping to talk, I think is something I'm trying to get better at. And I think everybody would benefit from it. I agree. I was listening to a podcast the other day about um, the the evolution of technology and the the dopamine hits that we get when we when we look at our phone and you know we have likes on right? Facebook or Instagram and the fact that you know we were not designed for 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 that constant um, seeking of attention and validation. It's interesting, John. What might people not know about you? Uh, yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you two things. Um, you know, one is I've, I've ran in ten marathons, so I'm very, pr- yeah, very proud of that. Love running. Um, don't 
quite make the marathons these days, more the half marathons, but I, I love that. It's <laughs> much better, much better. Um, but the one that really surprises people is I've danced in eight productions of The Nutcracker. Um, now, <laughs> Tell me more. That's fantastic. Now, in fairness, um, you know, it was at um, – the studio that that both of my daughters danced at, okay. um, and I danced as one of the the party parents, so I wasn't in tights. You know, people always ask me that. No well, tights, that's no tights, but a, kind of a Victorian tuxedo, and I, I learned a very intricate dance. and 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 I have to admit, I started off doing it just to spend some more time with my daughters. Sure. Um, by the end, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I made such. I've actually made some lifelong friends uh, with the other couples we danced with, um, and it's just it's been it was a really great experience. So. That's fantastic. I love asking that question because some of the stories that come out. Um, so when, when can we see you on stage next? <laughs> not, not anytime soon, trust <laughs> That's very disappointing. Listeners, <laughs> check back in. I'll, I'll, I'll keep abreast of that and keep you posted. <laughs> John, would you say that you learn more from failure or success? Uh, probably you learn more from failure um, I, I, I'm at the point, I don't want to learn anymore if that's what it takes. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, you learn more from failure, but, but, but the, but the joy of success is, is what really drives me. I mean, I, I, I get such a rush out of winning, right? And I have to admit that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and I love winning in, in anything and, and, you know, I, I'm fairly competitive. Um, but it's that, that it, being able to envision success to me is really it's great. It helps drive you. It helps set you this course where you want to go. So I would say I'm driven by the desire for success, but you do really learn from, from failure. And, um, you know, I, I've, over the years, I've gotten better at, at really stepping back and analyzing failure, not, not getting mad about it. Cause I used to just get mad, yeah. I, you know, yeah. and now I think, um, I'm much better at saying, okay, so there's a reason why I failed. I mm-hmm. did something wrong. Even if I don't like the outcome, even if I feel the outcome was unfair, sure. right? Yep. You, you still have to just step back and ask yourself, what could I have done differently? Because there's always something you could have yeah. done differently. So I think you can learn so much from that. Yeah. Thank you. I think you're right. John, are there any significant challenges that you've navigated in your career that you've drawn special strength or insight from that you'd like to share? I, I guess... Um, you know, I'm just trying to think. That's a tough one. I, I guess the the biggest challenges I've had um, have been, I think, I, I sometimes get very frustrated because I want to move more quickly than other people sometimes want to move. And I think um, that has probably not always, uh, you know, at times, uh, you know, I talked earlier about the importance of slowing down. I wasn't good at that earlier in my career. And so I think because of that, um, I often pushed. I pushed too hard, and sometimes that strained relationships. It hurt my credibility in terms of my ability to get things done, um, more so internally than externally. Sure. Um, but but yeah, I think the, that's the biggest challenges I always faced were um, actually trying to slow down and see understand where another person was coming from on an issue when we when we differed. Um, and kind of putting myself in their shoes. Um, and I think as I've gotten better at that, I've gotten better at navigating those situations. But that was certainly a big challenge for me earlier in my career. Thank you. That's certainly one I can relate to. <laughs> uh, what does Nirvana look like in your career, John? 
I, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I think I, I may, be, may be in Nirvana in my career. I mean, I, I've, I've, I have to admit, I've loved my career. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and I said, are you, or, you know, I asked that person, I said, are you happy? And they said, oh, I don't know. You know, who's happy? Are you happy? And I said, yes, I'm very happy. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love my job. I, I, love, um, I love working with people who challenge me and who I work with a lot of people that are younger than me now, and uh, they're so smart and so driven. Um, and so it's great to work in that environment. I work with clients that um, I, I love to help come up with solutions for clients. And so I feel great about that. I get to travel yeah. and go to great places. So, you know, to, to me, um, I'm doing all the things that I've always wanted to, to do in my career. So there's not there's not, you know, I, I say that and there will always be something new and some challenge in front of me that yeah. I want to take on. But, um, you know, I, I'd say, you know, if if 20 years ago you'd asked me what do I want to be doing, I can't say it would be a lot different than what I'm doing now. I, unless I was, like, playing shortstop for the Houston Astros. Wow, but that sure. seems unlikely at this stage. <laughs> Damn it, that's very disappointing. <laughs> okay, we've got a couple of fun ones now. What's your favorite song and why? Uh, yeah, that's um, that would be uh, the song Tom Sawyer by Rush. Um, it is one of the great rock and roll songs of all time. It has great lyrics. They're a very deep band, but they play great music, and I, I always get inspired by that song. I, I used it as my walk-on music in from the Oil and Gas Conference last time. I, lo- I love yeah, that. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's just a song that always gets me fired up. <laughs> I love the little analogy of using it as your walk on song too, just to just to get it really pumped up. <laughs> that's that's great. And if you could invite three guests, living or not, to dinner, who would they be? Ooh, living or not, okay, that's that's tough. Um, so uh, Bill Gates would be one. I find Bill Gates yeah. fascinating. He's I don't know any guy who you know wakes up in the morning and goes you know I think I'm going to try to solve malaria in Africa or something. Yeah. I just I just find him to be a fascinating guy. So, so more so from what he's because of what he's doing in recent years rather than the Microsoft. Yeah, I mean I think he's he's a guy who clearly when he sets his mind to something can achieve it. But yeah. some of the, the way he's he's pivoted from being a, this amazing businessman to this amazing. Uh, and very pragmatic philanthropist to me is just yeah. you know he makes to me is one of the most admired people in the world right now um so he'd be one um okay so i saw bill clinton speak a couple years ago and i gotta say bill clinton seems like he would be the funnest guy to have dinner oh, with yeah. just the stories that guy could tell oh. huh um <laughs> oh, yeah yeah i mean some interesting ones but yeah. i mean the things he's been and things he's been through so bill clinton was kind of on my list okay. and can i can i can i interject again was it a big dinner that was it a big speaking engagement that you heard him at or something more intimate no it was it was a pretty big thing but i mean he just struck me as the kind of guy that he would be hilarious to oh, to, yeah. to, yeah. to get together with um i only had two so can i stop okay. there you but can stop there. okay i'll stop there well, I'll, i'd like to come to that dinner as well because Okay, so Katie, Katie will be my my, my third. <laughs> Obviously, you, you forgot to mention me, but I like that. <laughs> John, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever been given? Yeah, I mean, there's probably not one, but um, I guess there's probably three different things that come to mind. You know, one is um, is to not be afraid to make decisions. Right? It is I think. You, you can you have to listen so i think you have to listen and but then ultimately good leaders have to make decisions they have to be willing to live with the decisions and they take they 
they own those decisions, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I have no place for somebody who, who doesn't own the consequences of their decisions, right? Um, uh, so I've made decisions in, in my career as a leader, and you know some have worked and some haven't, and and that's okay. But what I do, I think. Um, some people are just a little too slow to ever want to make the decision. They want to point at others. They want to try to get, you know, and ultimately good leaders just have to be decisive um, and they have to set a path and set a vision and, and make the decisions they think are best to try to get there. So, so you know, I think um, that the one other thing that I mentioned is just being humble. I really think great leaders are humble yeah. by nature. Yeah. And um, I've been blessed to know some really good ones that have given me some great advice over the years. Um, but the best leaders I've ever met have been humble leaders and they didn't need to draw attention to themselves they were just such good leaders that people people wanted to work for them people want to run through walls for them and yeah. so that's always impressed me and that's something I've, I've tried to do in, in my career that seems like a good segue onto matters political but we might we might steer clear of that <laughs> while we're recording um, John you talked a little bit about this through some of our earlier discussion um, but I um, wonder if you could just talk in a little bit more detail about where you got to where you are now in terms of leadership. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, a few things is, is, you know, early on I really went deep in the areas that, that I was interested in. So, um, and as a general rule, just doing things, following things, going deep into the areas that you're interested in is important, right? Yeah. You have to have a passion for these things. Um, so I think doing that, I think also then, um, you know, I, I talked about listening. I guess I, I see maybe I say listening a lot, but uh, listening to people and then building relationships with people I think is, is critical. And, and then just really investing in people, right? So mm-hmm. so, so you gotta you got to make decisions about who you think – um, you want on your team, and then when you, they get there, you got to give them rope, and you got to let them go, right? Yeah. And and so I think um, that's something I've always really tried to do is invest in people, um, support people 110 um, percent, whether they do well or whether they make mistakes. But once they know I'm behind them, I'm going to stay behind them 110 percent. Um, and I think doing that really inspires people, and they make them want to work for you. Um, you kind of get this relationship of trust, and when you have that, really good things happen. Yeah. John, second last question, because the last one I want to ask about um, your recent half marathons, but the, the last question, um, do you have any career advice for listeners and viewers out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to do, you have to follow things that you're really interested in, passionate about. You know, the, the term I always use is intellectual curiosity. So, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I remember early in my career hearing that term and I'm probably not really understanding what it meant but but I will say to a large degree that's what I followed in my career is is you know I found energy derivatives fascinating when I was young and so I got into that and then later on I got into um, you know a lot of different parts of the oil and gas business and I went really deep on that and I got to know it really well um, and so I think you know, building that knowledge and at the same time really just investing the time it takes to, to know that thing really well, but then also to use your, your leadership and relationship skills, um, you know, that's what makes you stand out. Um, and it's not like, you know, I think it's also important that not everybody wants to be a, a leader, right? Um, and that's okay. We, yeah. we, I mean, we need people in so many different areas and they can add so much depth. Um, so you, you shouldn't, I, I think everybody 
too many people today feel like, oh, I've got to, you know, stand in front of the room and take yeah. the helm. You know, I, I think, you know, just doing the thing that you're comfortable with, that you love doing, that you're passionate about, you'll do it well and you'll add value and and, and in doing so, you'll find something you enjoy. But forcing yourself into positions that you're not comfortable with, ultimately, I'm not sure that gets you to a good place. So. Thank you. And Don, just in closing, tell me tell me about some of your recent half marathons or do you, you have any coming up at the moment? Uh, yeah, I've, I'm going to run the Houston half marathon again in January. I ran that last year. So that's my latest one. Um, and yeah, I, you know, to, to me, just running it's how I get rid of my stress. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And in running in Houston, it's not always easy, but one thing I do love is because I travel so much. Um, I think it's absolutely one of the best ways to explore a city. Um, you're nodding your head. So you know that I've, I've explored many of Australia's (laughs) great cities that way, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, all great places to run. Um, so yeah, I think running is, is just, it's my relief. It's, you know, my tonic and it's also the great, great way to explore the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And probably just in closing, do you have any recommendations on any good runs while I'm in Houston? I've got another week here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Memorial Park is beautiful. So you, you've got to run Memorial Park yeah. and then run the bayou. This uh, There's this bayou that runs kind of th- right through downtown here. Okay. Very nice. So highly recommended. And, you know, depending on when you go, I'll, I'll get out there with you. Ah. Okay. Well, I would love that. We didn't quite manage it in Melbourne, so that would be awesome. John, I've really enjoyed our conversations. Great to be in your hometown and really appreciative of some of the um, the nuggets and, and gems that you've shared with us. Great. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed it.